we're talking about all of the ways in which both individual journalists and news organizations understand the quality of their work. How do we measure it? How do we know that the things that we are doing are actually helping our organizations to survive in complex times? Data analytics and metrics aren't just about measuring the size of your audience. They can also tell you whether you're meeting your mission or how well you're doing your job. I'm Michael O'Connell. This is It's All Journalism. Betsy O'Donovan and Melody Kramer spend a lot of time looking at trends in digital media and how to make journalism better. They are the co-authors of F is for Future, which argue for why public media funding is best spent on news programming for children. Their latest effort is a report they released through the American Press Institute on how to build a metric-savvy newsroom. Welcome to the podcast, Melody and Betsy. Thank you. Thank you so much. So before we get going here, I wanted to thank the American Press Institute for helping to set up this interview. Uh, there are plans in the work for our podcast to collaborate more with API in the future, so stay tuned to future podcasts for more info about that. So, you know, let's start this discussion about metrics with a really kind of broad, you know, statement about metrics or question about metrics. Why should journalists care about metrics? I love this question because it's a slam dunk. Journalists don't need to be persuaded to care about metrics. They already really do. I think we've all had experiences like the phone call from a reader who talks about a story that changed their point of view or helped their church or was something they cut out because it featured their granddaughter. Those are all metrics. Those metrics are fundamentally pieces of data that tell us how we're doing our jobs. Are you doing a great job? Or are you doing a bad job? Are people paying attention? Are people ignoring you? So I think the thing that we encounter with journalists is more of a language problem than an actual practice problem. Journalists hear the word metrics these days, and we think on the last 10 to 15 years in which we're talking about chart beat numbers on a screen in a newsroom, we're talking about page views and time on site, and a very specific small set of metrics that are useful for measuring some things, but they are, like any tool, only good for particular sets of jobs. So when we, when Melody and I talk about metrics and when we talk about it in this report that's going to be online at AmericanPressInstitute.org, we're talking about all of the ways in which both individual journalists and news organizations understand the quality of their work. How do we measure it? How do we know that the things that we are doing are actually helping our organizations to survive in complex times? How do we know that we are actually having a meaningful, meaningful impact on civic life and how our readers understand and encounter the world? So why should journalists care about metrics? Because we always have and we always will need to. The report that you did, could you sort of talk about the methodology of it, You know how you conducted it, who you spoke to? We basically set out with a question of how are newsrooms using metrics? What are the gaps in understanding um, in regards to metrics? Who's doing it right? And what can we learn from them? And so we came up with a list of about 40 newsrooms and other organizations outside of news who are doing really interesting things with metrics to make decisions. So everything from Sesame Street, which uses analytics in a really interesting way, to the Dolly Parton Imagination Library, to newsrooms around the country, both big and small, who are using these numbers to 
to further their reporting or increase their subscriber base or to learn something about their readers. Um, and then we asked them a series of questions about how they're using metrics, what their understanding of metrics were, what other people in the newsroom thought of metrics. And one of the most interesting questions that we asked and what we learned a lot from was, what does your newsroom celebrate? And we were curious with that particular question to know whether people were celebrating things like Pulitzers or Peabody Awards or whether these metric wins were resonating across layers of the newsroom and how executives and people who are reporters and editors were interpreting those figures and whether that was translating to positive reinforcement within those newsrooms. Yeah, I think it's important that you have bringing metrics forward into your you know, your daily or weekly newsroom meetings where, you know, you not only talk about the importance of them, but, you know, you discuss these little victories that that helps you get buy in across the staff because then they begin to understand, hey, oh, this story, this unusual story, this this different type of presentation, this different focus did really well. Maybe that's a great victory for us. Maybe that's something we could apply to something else. So it's sort of a building on your wins. One thing that this is really doing I teach journalism at Western Washington University, and I talk to my students a lot about the difference between taste-based critique, like I like this or I don't, and craft-based technique. This is working because this is not working because. And what having these metrics conversations in a newsroom and a news meeting does is it eliminates a lot of the, this reporter got praised because he or she is popular with the editors. This reporter's stuff gets better play because they have a better beat than I do. Um, and it moves more into the realm of, no, we can demonstrate that readers, listeners, viewers are connecting to the these kinds of stories. So it's less about making judgments based on one individual editor's opinion of what is good or important, although that is obviously still a really critical factor in news. But using metrics wisely helps newsrooms understand not just this seems good to us journalists who are immersed in the subject, but also this seems good to us and it seems good to our community. It seems good to our audience. Audiences are smart. And I think it's important to recognize that as we look at, you know, data analytics, you know, information that we get from, you know, you know Google Analytics or, or Chartbeat or whatever, that the different parts of the newsroom view them in different ways. And so that beat reporter who's out there is, well, I know what I need to cover. I know, you know, what story I need to write. It may be a, a bit of a sell. It may be, you know, a hard sell to, to get them to realize that, you know, hey, maybe you should be concentrating on these types of stories instead based on, you know, what the analytics are telling them. Do you see that as kind of a problem sometimes in, in newsrooms? So one thing that was very interesting to us in our research was the discovery that the use of metrics in newsrooms has really come full circle to confirm a lot of things that longtime journalists already knew in their guts. So there are kind of two ways of that thought diverges on this. For those of us who were in sort of the mid-2000s newsrooms and getting a lot of like, here is here's what people are clicking on. Here's what's most popular on social. Here's what's most popular on the website. If that was all you understood, you would get a lot of data that says, yay, kitten videos, right? We all have heard that joke. And we're all a little, no matter how much of a kitten video consumer you might be, 
I'm a pretty heavy consumer of those things. You don't want to hear that that stuff is more important than the watchdogging, than the heavy beat work, than the impact stories that you work on in, in your community. And one thing that's really gratifying is that as our understanding of how to use metrics has improved across the industry, and as leaders at newspapers, both in terms of people in management, but also in terms of people who are really willing to work through this problem from the front, as they develop a more sophisticated understanding of what is and is not useful to the survival of journalism, we're finding things like engagement are significantly more important than just encounters. So page views matter less than returning visits, for example. And that's something that the grizzled old cops reporter who's been on the beat for 40 years could have told you 10 years ago. But now we have metrics that are coming back and supporting that and also starting to go further and say, all right, the metrics generally that newsrooms are receiving are telling us that we should not waste precious newsroom time and resources on garbage stories that might go viral, but will not bring people back to your site. And that I like to think would be very satisfying to a lot of the journalists who I started out with, who were veterans in the newsroom and who regarded what metrics was metrics were telling us in the early 2000s with a lot of suspicion. One of the examples that we encountered during our research that I think best exemplifies this was what the Dallas Morning News discovered recently. We spoke to Amanda Wilkins, who manages audience development for the Morning News. She recently moved to McClatchy, but at the time she was at the Dallas Morning News. And they discovered not too long ago that about several thousand page views are necessary for somebody who visits the Morning News to convert to a subscriber. And so thinking about what you need to do to get somebody to come back, come back, come back, and eventually subscribe is something that a lot of newsrooms are thinking about because subscriptions equal revenue. I mean, it's something that we, everybody in the news industry needs to think about. And what they noticed was that there are lots of college football teams in the Dallas area. There's the Longhorns, the Aggies, and there's a smaller school, Southern Methodist University, which has about 16,000 people enrolled as opposed to Texas A&M, which has like 70,000. And they weren't necessarily doing a lot of coverage of SMU, but when they started doing coverage of SMU, they figured out that people were converting on that content at a much higher rate. So they figured out that basically people who went to SMU were looking for coverage about SMU. And when they found it, they were more likely to subscribe. So they created content that was specifically for the SMU audience. They created a newsletter and it's a really, really small audience for that newsletter, but the opening click-through rates are through the roof. So over 50% of the people who receive the newsletter open it and 70% of those people click on something. So it's something to think about how do we think about smaller audiences and how we think about metrics that might lead us to creating content for those audiences? Let me just say the way that we are describing this may sound really complicated, but the way I might present this to newsroom staff is to say, Hey guys, we know that it takes 3000 page views before someone who visits our site will become a subscriber. But we have also noticed that it takes about half of that for people who are interested in SMU sports. So we'd like to figure out 
how to deliver a lot of cool stories about SMU sports so we can get them to that threshold and get them to subscribe because it keeps the lights on and it pays our salaries. So what are we going to do? And that's basically the nature of, of the conversation that happened at the morning news. So it's not, we're not talking about forcing reporters to get into some sort of spreadsheet analytics. What we're talking about is being able to connect something that every organization needs. We need money. We get money through subscriptions. That's our business model here. So what can the newsroom do to affect that without creating ethical problems? And in this case, it's just tell the stories that are exciting to tell. You're great at that. One of the things that, you know, I sort of ran into the one website that I was working at, you know, we paid a lot of attention to our data analytics and, you know, there was certain sort of broad based stories that our readers always kind of clicked on and generated a lot of traffic. But even though these were stories that our audience was interested, they weren't on the quote unquote mission of our website. Our mission was we wanted to attract certain type of, of readers. So it really kind of caused a disconnect for us because we want to, it's like, okay, we can throw out a wide net and get tons of page views, you know, some engagement from a lot of different people. But what we really need to do is, you know, how can we take these lessons from metrics and really kind of, you know, maybe apply some of the things we've learned from, from the success of our other stories and apply them to the areas, the, the types of stories, you know, the, the more manager-based the more technology-based types of stories that may not have been getting a lot of uh, traffic. Uh, and I'm glad I said engagement because it's the E word because it's something that you mentioned, Betsy. That seems to be the, the word that everybody's sort of throwing around these days. You know, we sort of gone from data analytics and, and we're talking about engagement, moving away from page views. How do you envision engagement? What, is that, what does that mean to you? So I'm curious what Mel's answer is, but I'll, I can just say very briefly my strong opinion is engagement means when you ask a reader to do something, they do it because they trust you, right? You're creating stuff that is meaningful in their lives and they let you know both by clicking through this stuff that we measure that they don't even really realize we measure, but also by showing up at events and picking up the phone and demanding action from legislators if there's a really engaging editorial that persuades them that you know, you want to end campaign finance abuses. So engagement really just means this person is listening to me and they're willing to do things if I ask them to, and I have persuaded them that that's the right course. And I think that the key word there is that the reader trusts the person working in the newsroom, because I think we're all familiar with the headlines that are designed specifically to get clicks and to get people to share something. And you see that newsrooms are constantly now pumping out stories from other parts of the country. And those might have short-term effects and raise the numbers on clicks, but they don't necessarily translate to subscriptions or long-term relationships. And so when Betsy's saying engagement, meaning a trusted relationship with the reader, what we're really talking about there is a two-way street where we're putting things out, somebody's responding because of the person or the newsroom or the story idea, and that feedback loop continues. We mentioned before that, you know, we maybe we're moving away from this idea of just looking strictly at page views at, at other types of metrics. You know, what are the types of metrics that news, newsrooms should be looking at and, and how can they kind of apply them to their editorial decision making? 
let me just say what we have found with this study is good news, bad news. The good news is your newsroom gets to decide what matters to it, right? The bad news is there's not a one size fits all solution. So you have to do the work to figure out what matters. So the very first thing that we, in this report, which will be, it'll be out at AmericanPressInstitute.org in later this month or in early March. And basically we, we said there are roughly five guidelines for what newsrooms should do. And the very first one is to think through your strategy for how your newsroom is going to survive. And anybody who's been working in the industry anytime in the last 20 years knows journalism survival is not guaranteed. And so newsrooms have a responsibility to think about the business side of the paper if they want to stay employed and also doing this important civic work. So the strategy piece that if your organization is banking on a donation strategy, like they're a public media newsroom, then that suggests some different metrics you should look at. So, and actually this ties into some other research Melody and I have done. So NPR very effectively thought about metrics back in the 80s, and they had a strategy called Audience 88 that said, who are the most likely donors? They were not getting a lot of congressional funding. So this report called Audience 88 basically said, okay, we know that highly educated coastal urban dwellers are most likely and most generous donors. And so they developed a strategy that was very specific to the newsroom that was called Super Serve the Core. And what it meant is we're going to pay attention to what these most likely donors love and we're going to give them lots of it. And that is, um, although that had some unintended consequences, for example, public media is very white, very coastal, very educated. It does not serve all of America, but for their long-term financial survival, it was a really effective and powerful strategy. And so if your newsroom is operating on a basis of donations, then you want to aim at your most likely donors. If your newsroom has an events strategy, which is very true of organizations like the New Tropic and the Evergrey that are owned by a company called Where By Us, they have a newsletter strategy that is coupled with an events strategy. And so they're very focused on people who are likely to go out and about and making sure that they're the go-to source for those people. So they pay attention to metrics that are tightly focused on that particular very local audience. So if you're in Anchorage, you're going to have a different strategy than you do if you're in Philadelphia or if you're in Virginia Beach. And we talk to newsrooms all over just to try to get a, a broad sampling so that this report has something for everybody in every type of newsroom. Melody, before you, you sort of touched on um, you know, as one of your examples of uh, Sesame Street and, and how it uses in-person metrics, can you uh, tell us what they do and what makes it kind of unique? Sure. So Sesame Street, which has been on the air for 50 years now, also has an arm that has uh, existed since the beginning of the show, which is a, a research arm. And, and part of Sesame Street's mission is to understand and know that they're reaching three to five-year-olds, three to seven-year-olds, 
uh, with the things that they want them to learn. So if they want them to learn empathy, Sesame Street has a research arm that measures whether or not the content um, is is trying to help children understand empathy and then measures after the show airs whether empathy has increased in children. So what they do, which is really incredibly unique and something that I think we can all learn from, is they actually go into Head Start programs and preschools and other facilities around New York where there are three to seven-year-olds. And they are uh, they show them clips, things that would be coming out on the show, and they see whether or not those clips have their attention. One of the metrics they look at is, is a three-year-old able to sit through this three-minute segment featuring Cookie Monster explaining healthy food to eat? Um, and if the three-year-old's attention is not something that is maintained, they go back to the writer's room and they say, you have to rewrite this, or we would like you to rewrite this. And then the writers take that into account. And then after the show airs, they actually measure whether or not, through talking to these three to seven-year-olds, whether or not something like empathy has increased and they're able to say, okay, th that's our metric of success, whether or not some, somebody in that age cohort has learned something, uh, which is, is really great because they're, they're testing constantly. Is, is this going to work? Do we have to iterate on this? What has worked in the past? And when we talked to one of the executives from Sesame Street, she said it was incredibly humbling to work on something for a very long time, present it to a three-year-old and have them walk away. <laughs> If only newsrooms could have uh, that detail and be able to measure audience in that detail. I mean, clearly, everybody knows Sesame Street. Sesame Street's been around forever, and, it, and it's and it's certainly successful in what it does. Now, you know, I, I had a chance to look at a draft of uh, your report, and there are a few points on it that, that kind of jumped out at me. You mentioned, um, you know, one of the things that, that Sesame Street does is that they do these sort of tests, these experiments and then make adjustments and change. You know, is that something that newsrooms can do? And, you know, how, how can they do that using metrics? It's absolutely something newsrooms can and should do. And at the individual reporter level, you can run little tests. So if you're in a small newsroom, it may be that there aren't a ton of tools available to you. For example, we talked to Financial Times, which has a huge, huge operation that is Basically, they're the guys who created the registration wall, so you can have a metered paywall where you sign up for free access, but because you've signed up, now they can look at how individual people are encountering content and say like, oh, we're, we're very interested. We know now that it takes an average of XYZ stories before someone subscribes or doesn't. That's not really available to people in the kinds of newsrooms where I came up, which are small community papers. What we have are free or cheap tools. So we had Google Analytics. Well, you can still do that level of inquiry with Google Analytics. You're, you may not have quite as precise instruments, but, and I want to note, like we don't have a particular rooting interest in the American Press Institute's own suite of tools, but they have this great and I would argue for most newsrooms, very affordable suite of tools called Metrics for News. And we talked to some small newsrooms that use them. And what they do is allow you to really hyper-focus on how is this story doing? What trends are we seeing in headlines? How is this story doing relative to similar stories? So you're not comparing a sports story that can be expected to have a ton of attention and traffic if you live in a sports crazy area with a city council story, which may have lower performance 
in terms of like fewer page views, but may people who click on that story might then click through to five other stories about city council decisions because they're really trying to understand. And it lets reporters, it gives suggestions for how reporters can maybe think about little tiny experiments they might do with their coverage, like really simple stuff. Hey, did you include a link to a previous story or to a PDF of the city council's agenda or to a way to call the mayor in your story? Those are small things that any reporter can do to increase his or her audience's engagement with their work. So when we say experiments, we don't mean big, broad, huge stuff that has to start at the publisher level and trickle down. Everybody in the newsroom has the power to introduce links into their stories. Everybody in the newsroom has the power to suggest different kinds of headlines for their stories based on what, what draws people in. Um, so Chartbeat and Parsley, Metrics for News, and Google Analytics all give you some insight and what we want to see newsrooms building in is an education for reporters so that they know, oh, I can, I can try something like putting a link into my story and then I'm going to watch what happens on Google Analytics. It's not just a mystery what that does. I can approach this with a curious mindset and learn something. Yeah, especially if you're able to use some of those tools, allow you to do things like A-B testing on headlines to, you know, which in the long run, what it ends up doing is, it, you know, as you begin to see the results, it ends up teaching you to write better headlines, which mm -hmm. affects your whole site. But but just at a micro level, you know, a one set of stories or one story, you know, doing those tests and seeing how they perform. And then you're looking to the beyond just page views, but, you know, sort of to elaborate on what you're saying, you know, the links within stories, the, the multiple clicks to other stories, you know, time spent on page, the number of pages they're viewing, you know, those other met these other sort of secondary metrics that, you know, talk about, you know, time spent, how much the, the readers is time is spending with your content because they're interested in, in what you're doing. And that helps to build you know, their trust in your website and helps to sort of click off some of those uh, 3,000 page views toward uh, them uh, subscribing or uh, whatever else that, that they need or you want them to do. Now, one of the things that, I, that sort of jumped out at me in, in your report, and you, you kind of addressed this topic, is that, you know, there, there's some journalists who, who, who feel that, that with this talk about metrics, you know, especially this is especially concerning in, in, in these days of sort of massive layoffs in newsrooms, that metrics of like like page views if, if if the business side or if the management side starts putting so much emphasis on on page views or, or some other metric and the numbers don't necessarily support it in in whatever work the reporter or the editor is doing that you know some journalists might feel that that's giving management a tool with which to you know you know eliminate your position or your project because numbers don't don't match up you what do you think about that I have never aspired to be a widget or a widget maker, and I think that's how a lot of journalists feel when someone just dumps a chart beat number on them and says, here's your chart beat number. It's basically getting a score from the Russian judges. Better work on your toe loop. You know, so I think the most important thing that we are, you know, able to document in this report is that journalists respond well to being taught how to think about their work. What they need from management is a clear understanding of strategy 
and they need to know that this is not a zero-sum game where either you hit this number or you're a failure, right? So, because that just turns the journalist into a lab rat, basically, where it's like, can you run the maze fast enough? If not, sorry, you got to go. And I think the newsrooms we're seeing that are very successful are newsrooms where instead of treating journalists and their stories like lab rats, journalists are being treated treated like scientists who are given the enough information to begin their own inquiry and to report back their findings. And they are, I hate to use buzzwords, but they are empowered to both understand what they're supposed to be doing on the broad level for an organization. So page views really matter if your organization has an ad strategy, right? You want to serve as many ads as possible to as many people as possible in order to make money online. But if you're a city government reporter, you're going to be disadvantaged because you, in most communities, are going to have a smaller audience than the sports reporter. However, if as a city government reporter, you're allowed to say, hey, my numbers are lower than that, guys. It doesn't mean we should give up on the city government beat. That's important. But I can demonstrate growth. So I'm going to think about ways to encourage people to click through by adding links in my stories, by referring back to, you know, the history of these long issues. And I'm, I'm going to be awake at the switch and participating in the, the organization's strategy at the appropriate level, at my level, not trying to fix the whole paper, but also not assuming it's someone else's problem. I think it's totally understandable that reporters feel exhausted, abused, scared, and tired of learning new stuff, right? So that's one of the, one of the findings is we have to make it easy for reporters to do this stuff as well as doing their jobs. Metrics are not the job of journalists. Journalism is the job. This should be something small and light that we do as part of our practice of engaging with our audience, but it doesn't replace the basics of shoe leather reporting and building a beat and talking to your sources and And newsrooms need to know when the conversation veers toward numbers and away from the practice of journalism, it scares good journalists away. Amen to that. And on top of that, I mean, something we we mentioned before, you know, building trust in your newsroom, it's the the sort of deep reporting that you do that may not get generate tons of clicks, but it's the type of stories that you cover because they're important, because they matter to people. I mean, those are the things that people learn to trust you and want to come back to your website and, you know, maybe even support you. Quite often it's those things that are, you know, driving your brand and and who you are and fulfilling your mission. So, you know, you wrap up your your report with a blueprint for turning a newsroom into a metrics-engaged newsroom. So how easy do you think it would be for a newsroom to take this blueprint and run with it? So I think, again, we're providing people with a guide, but it's not set in stone. So I'll go through the different things that we suggest that newsrooms can do. But this is like a take it or leave it approach. You don't have to do every one of these steps. You can choose the things that make the most sense for you and in terms of your newsroom. But these were the themes that we continually heard again and again from successful newsrooms. So the first thing that we 
think that newsrooms can do is to uh, what we call build a map. So that's simply to share widely what your plan is for growth. It's really important that everyone within an organization is on board and understands what the plan is for growth so they can plan experiments accordingly. You want to um, ensure that everybody at your organization is understanding what they're working towards so that when they are in scientist mode, they're designing the appropriate experiment. The next thing that we suggest that newsrooms do is to think about goals. So there's really no secret to success in this way, but everybody in an organization and a newsroom should know what healthy looks like. It's important to not only understand that, but to report back and to showcase wins so that you can set the standard for what's helpful across an organization. The next thing that we're going to ask journalists to do is to consider everyone's role within the success of the organization. So what do individual reporters need to measure to know if they're doing a good job and do they have the tools to do that? The next thing that we recommend is coaching. So what kinds of in-person conversations can you have that introduce and use metrics and how do you assure people that it's not a grade, but instead is meant to trigger dis discussions? So something that we repeatedly heard from people in newsrooms that they were scared that, you know, the numbers could be used to eliminate beats or eliminate reporting jobs. And something that Chartbeat's director of customer education, Jill Nicholson, told us really resonated uh, with me. You don't want to think of these numbers as a grade. You want to think of them as a runway for discussion. So why do the numbers look like the way that they do? And what are things that you could potentially change or modify that would have the numbers go up or down? And then you could talk about that and make other decisions. And then the next thing that we recommend is that you broadcast out what you're learning. So in, at NPR, there's actually a newsletter that goes around internally that talks about metrics victories and it talks about ideas that can be replicated. So it comes down to the different things that people are doing and testing. And then there's an analytics team at NPR that looks at that um, and sends that information back out to the newsroom. And they're actually measuring which executives in the newsroom are reading it because they don't want this to just be at the reporter level, but at every level of the newsroom. And then the last thing that we recommend is a personal follow-up. So, you know, it, it's really, really important to work with people on an individual basis and to provide consistent feedback so that people know where they are and what they're doing and if what they're doing is working. There, there's no, you know, God metric or one metric that rules them all because every newsroom is unique and every newsroom has unique challenges and goals that go along with that. But I think that in terms of universal rules, these six threads were things that continually came up in our conversations. Yeah, you know, they, they definitely sum up kind of uh, a good strategy for, for newsrooms who, that are looking to, you know, do something with their metrics to sort of build on it and move forward, at least have these discussions, you know, as you say. You know, Melody, Betsy, thanks for coming on the podcast. This is great. And uh, people can find this report where? So they can find the report at AmericanPressInstitute.org. But I also want to note specifically, Melody and I love this work and we think it's very important and so we encourage newsrooms to reach out to metrics for news to learn more because there's a there are a lot more educational resources but we also want to hear how people are doing so we can continue to follow up and build on this so if people have questions about this or if there's a way we can help they can reach out to us at info at hedgehogandfox.net as well as reading the report at americanpressinstitute.org 
Thanks for listening to this episode of It's All Journalism. Before I wrap up, I wanted to once again thank our friends at the American Press Institute for helping set up this interview. You can find out more information and the complete report that Melody and Betsy wrote on metrics on API's website, AmericanPressInstitute.org. You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the people who make the news. You can find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. While you're visiting our website, why not sign up for the It's All Journalism newsletter? You'll get all the latest info about our podcast, including episode notes and news about live events and upcoming interviews. Go to itsalljournalism.com to subscribe. It takes a lot of people to put together an episode of It's All Journalism. Nicole Legrisco produced this episode. Amber Healy wrote our web content. Nick Dupre wrote our theme music. Amia Brust helped with our booking. Nicholas Hunter provided a web assist, and I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. It's All Journalism is produced in partnership with the Association of Alternative News Media. Thanks for listening. Hi, it's Kristen. Did you know that not doing things is easier than doing them? There's a lot of things to do, especially this time of year. But when you don't do things, there's more time to do things. Does that make sense? What I mean is when you use Shipt to get everything from gifts to groceries delivered same day, you have more time for the things you want to do. To not do things so that you can do other things, visit shipt.com slash holiday. That's S-H-I-P-T dot com slash holiday.